0: Well, hey guys, Um, stoked to have you guys here today, Uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it. Um, It's easier to be in bed today, so the fact that you've come, it says that uh, there's something important to you. I don't know if it's tradition, I don't know if it's uh, someone who cares about you that invited you multiple times and annoyed you, sent you text messages, checking in this morning or anything like that, but it's because someone cares about you. Um, And that's why you're here. And I'd like to to make the point that there is someone even greater than your friend who invited you that cares about you today. Um, And that's what we're going to be talking about. I I hope that uh, what I have to say is palatable to you. Um, But if it's not, I hope you'll listen and maybe just give me the benefit of the doubt that whether you believe or not, I I truly believe what I'm saying to you and I care about you. Um, So uh, today, I'm calling it Unfailing Hope, our message and um, we're going to be talking about the resurrection because it's Easter, right? That's what you talk about on Easter. Um, but I'd just like to start out by just talking to you about my house. When I moved to my house, um, we had this like, old koi pond uh, that was super cool and uh, been, had been filled in because you know we're in Southern California and water is a thing, right? And so they'd filled it in and, and it had just grown with weeds. And so I had this idea... You know, I'm going to dig out all the weeds, I'm going to dig out all the dirt, and I'm going to put in, you know, steer manure, and then I'm going to put in, like, good dirt, right? And then I'm going to plant pumpkins in there, and it's going to be, like, super awesome, and we're going to, you know, eat the pumpkins after we carve the pumpkins, and everybody's going to think I'm a hero for planting pumpkins with my own two hands, because, right? Like, someone who can do that is so amazing, and... uh, uh. So, but the, there's a reality to it, right? And the reality was, is that um, while I cannot grow grass anywhere in my backyard, the grass was taking over this little patch, this little core, koi pond where I had planted pumpkins. And it was like every day I would go back there and I would dig as deep as I could, try and get that root like my mom taught me. And I would pull it out and I would, I would um, throw it on the other grass, hoping that it would just like, take root over there or something instead, because it's just brown. Um... And uh, it would come back the next day. Like, how does grass grow back the next stinking day? But it would. And um, eventually it choked out my pumpkins, and I got sick of it, and I just decided to give up. And we even had cool flowers. We had little buds that were going to be pumpkins. But I could not keep up with the grass because I cared about other things a lot more than these pumpkins. I had, like, real kids that I had to make sure they didn't die. So, um, <laughs> But sometimes I feel like in this world, we, we, tend, to, we, we tend to feel like that gardener. Like, or perhaps we tend to feel like that pumpkin. Like, No matter how much we want to thrive, there are just things all around us just that keep getting worse. Like, Didn't I just fix this? Didn't I just pull these weeds? Didn't I just clean up this room? And yet, you come back, and it's messy again. And, and every time we think we're past something, it's messy again. And so, in light of this idea... We come through Holy Week and we see the cross and we see something bad, something that seemed like it was bad, something that seemed like it was final. It was death. It was death of Jesus. And yet, on the other end, he could not stay dead. And that is where we get our joy and that is where we celebrate. So even as we have this world where things seem to be going wrong and and, and we think we're over an addiction, we think we're over something, and it just gets worse again. There is hope. And there's hope because Jesus could not stay dead. So that is what we're celebrating here today. It doesn't have to always be that way anymore. There's a day coming when weeds and thorns and thistles and oh my gosh, weeds and thorns and thistles that grow in my backyard, those will be a distant memory. And addiction will be a distant memory. And struggle and oppression and pain will be a distant memory. Today we're going to be talking about um, things that fade, and things that don't fade. We're going to be talking about an inheritance that is forever. Now, my father passed away. I received an inheritance. I received his old computer, um, which was a super awesome computer, and I was stoked about it, but that computer has become obsolete in the six years or seven years since then. I mean, I still use it, but it's hard to use. <laughs> but the inheritance that we're talking about today is forever. 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 And that is um, where we're going to be uh, talking from. A-, a couple of reminders, just if you're not a usual here. Um, we give kids a lot of leeway here. So um, we give kids a lot of grace here. So if a kid cries, like I- I'm going to just say it's like more your problem um, because we love the kids being here because we say that a crying church is not a dying church. And so um, one of the things I would say to you is that if you're able to just try and tune in, and if you're struggling, if you ever hear kids screaming in the other room, probably mine, um, if you ever hear kids screaming in this room, like, uh, pray for me, pray for yourself, pray for those children, and uh, let's just continue as we move through, okay? Is that cool? Can we, go, can we be cool with that? All right, so we're going to be today in 1 Peter 1, 1 through 5. Now, we have Bibles available over there. Um, you are free to take them and borrow them. You can open up a Bible app. You can just Google it, and it'll come up. <clears throat> Any one of those ways is perfectly acceptable to us, and if you and, and what I would say, too, is before you turn to 1 Peter Um, 1, 1 through 5, I want everyone to look first at the table of contents, okay? And find it in the table of contents. And I want you to do that because now nobody has to feel bad for looking in the table of contents to find it, right? Because uh, we're all on level ground. So we're going to be in 1 Peter 1, 1 through 5. Are you guys with me? 1 Peter 1, 1 through 5. All right, hear, hear the word of God. To those chosen living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This is God's word. Would you please pray with me? God, uh, your compassion and your care for us is astounding. Like, a parent cannot love their kids more than you love us. So when our sins, our selfishness, our addictions, and our illnesses threaten to take over, God, we know that you're here, you're right here right now with us. That you're loving us, and that you're willing us to overcome. Lord, we are counting on you to be a victor in the midst of our brokenness. And God, we come to you and we're broken. Like, we have problems, we've got issues, all of us. But we're asking you to be stronger than our pain, stronger than our loneliness, and stronger than our hurts. Father, I ask today that for someone in this room, you would be revealed to them as authentic. I pray that you would burn like fire in their chest and that they can no longer hold you in. For the rest of us, God, we thank you that um, you promise us hope that is unfailing, imperishable. We know where we would be today without you and we know it wouldn't be good. God, you have saved us and we are forever grateful. And may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know some of you guys are not like, uh, used to sermons, and my sermons go about 40 minutes, and I'm really gonna try for lower than that, okay? So stick with me. If it goes long, then it's, it's sorry. So today I have only two points for you, okay? Um, I have two points from 1 Peter 1, 1 through 5. And, um, I'm just going to go right to it. Our first point is our continuing hope is only through the resurrection of Jesus. Our continuing hope is only through the resurrection of Jesus. Now in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what is that saying? Basically, in God's mercy, we have been given the gift of hope. It only comes through Jesus and that can only come through the power of his resurrection. Now, who is writing this letter and who is, who is it being written to? Um, first off, it's written by this dude Peter um, and Peter was kind of like um, the big mouth guy that gives all of us big mouth guys kind of hope because anytime they were hanging out with Jesus, he would say something like really stupid and, and Jesus would say to him like, hey, I'm going to build my church on you, which is pretty awesome. Um, so, Peter would be the guy when, like, they're all hanging out, and God does something super amazing. It's uh, this thing called the transfiguration. Jesus is hanging out. All of a sudden, Moses and Elijah, these old prophets, come, and, and Peter's like, uh, can we build you some temples, God? Like, let's build you some temples for this. And Jesus is like, uh, and then the Bible says he didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> and, and there's other portions where, where Peter would just, like, just say what he's thinking, which, which I super like because sometimes I get into trouble for just saying what I'm thinking. And um, we've learned that I have a filter because when I was in the hospital once and they gave me some drugs, uh, I did not have a filter. And then I said some crazy things that I'm glad no one was recording. Um, but that's Peter. Peter is a guy who just says what he's thinking. And over time, when he spends time with Jesus, he learns more and more. But even up until the end, even up until the end when Jesus is going to die, uh, Jesus says to him, like, get behind me, Satan. Quit saying that I don't gotta go to the cross because I gotta do it. And then he denies, he denies the Savior three times. He denies him, he denies him like by cursing. <laughs> that, that's how bad Peter is. And yet, God uses Peter here. And, and Peter gets all these people that are struggling and hurting and are afraid. And so he is speaking to the dispersion, okay? Now what's the dispersion? It's a bunch of Jewish people who became Christians, and then when they became Christians, they were kicked out. Um, basically, they were told, hey, you're going to die if you do not uh, recant from your Christianity. So they said, cool, we're going to just go this, we're gonna go this way. Um, and so that's the dispersion. The people were afraid for their lives. Now, why are they afraid for their lives? Well, there's this guy named Nero, and he was the king at the time. And um, you would know something about Nero, maybe. Um, he's famous for um, Rome burning and him playing his violin as he watched Rome burn. He's also, um, it's also been said that perhaps um, Nero set, set a fire in Rome because he wanted to expand his palace, and then he found a really a good group of people to blame it on Christians. And so because Christians were blamed for the fire of Rome, um, that is when a big persecution started to happen in many ways. And so uh, throughout the whole Roman Empire, which was kind of big, um, these Christians were spread out. And so that's who this letter is speaking to. Um, Peter calls them exiles, but they're not only spiritually exiles, but they have been dispersed to the edge of the planet. Now, some of you may be suffering now for following Jesus. Like, things are getting worse, uh, in California especially. But our hope is found in one single event that happened 2,000 years ago, and that's that the grave could not hold Jesus. On Good Friday, our hope was dead. Many of us celebrated our Good Friday service uh, this Friday, and, and, and in many ways, it's this like sad, like, Jesus died on the cross. All right, see you later. And it's this, like, oh, we're left with this just, like, um, it's not resolved. Like, you hear a song, and it finishes on, like, a weird note, and you're like, what? I need, I need resolution. It can't just end on a, uh, like, I need it to, I need to resolve. And, and, and the disciples of Jesus were left on Good Friday with no resolution. And then, then Jesus was resurrected, and suddenly, They went from zero hope to to much hope, to all the hope in the world. We have a sure hope because Jesus would not stay dead on. On Friday, Peter was Jesus' number one man, and then he was suddenly cursing. He was suddenly cursing Jesus. He said, like, man, I don't even know this guy. But then when Jesus was resurrected, he had a living hope who could stand before him. Now, Pastor Edmund Clowney says this. He says, Christ's resurrection spells hope for us, not just because he lives, but because by God's mercy, we live. Now, before, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew people were known as God's chosen people. Now, we see in this verse that it says all people can have hope in Jesus. He's extended hope to every tongue, every tribe, every ethnicity. This is indeed good news because, like, unless you were Jewish, unless people here are, are Jewish today, which maybe some of you guys are, um, then you were on the outside looking in. But when the resurrection happened, freedom happened, and it didn't just happen for one, it happened for all. Now, when I was first looking seriously into Christianity, um, I was wondering how one man could make so audacious claim to be the only way to God. And, and, I, and I feel like it's, it's kind of hard just to have someone to take people at their word, right? Because like, we have weird stuff happening all the time. We have people claiming to be all kinds of things all the time. And we have cults, crazy cults. We make TV shows about the people on these cults. So why was Jesus different, right? Well, when I first uh, started looking into Christianity, I, I went about looking to find how he was false, like, I already hated Christianity. Why did I hate Christianity? Because, uh, duh, Christians, right? Like, we can be jerks sometimes. And I mean that a lot of times. It seems to happen. I don't know why, but it happens. But first, <clears throat> I, I hated Christianity so much that when I first even started to look into Jesus, I had to up my game and start to, to research reasons why Christ was not real so I could fight them about it. And I found myself finding fewer and fewer reasons uh, 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 of how I could understand that Jesus was not real. And then I started to, to, to find other little things that maybe I could pick this apart. I was like, man, you guys don't like evolution? Man, let's like, pick up a science book for the love of Pete. Like, don't you believe anything? Like, it's all proven and stuff. And that's what I would say to people, and, and, and we would fight over that. I would fight with some people in this room who were Christians. I literally did. Okay, um, So then, after that, it was the goodness of God that I challenged. Like, if God's so good, what about this? If God's so good, what about this? If God's so good, what about this? I couldn't seem to be able to challenge the resurrection as much as I had hoped. (laughs) It It was too hard to challenge. And so suddenly, I found myself fighting against something that had more momentum than I could push and hold back. And you know what? I can tell you, when I became a Christian, I still was not able to figure out evolution. I just didn't even know what to do with it. And and there were still places in the Bible where I was like, hey, I, I don't know. It, it feels like God's not real good here. Like, I just don't understand it. But the overwhelming power of the resurrection began to rock me at my core. And I found myself less and less able to deny his goodness and his love. And when you look about the resurrection, first got to go back, and that it was prophesied about Jesus hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand. Matter of fact, 700 years beforehand, you had the prophet Isaiah who was speaking to all these things that we would now call a reality. And it's easy to look back through the cross and say, oh, that makes sense. But at the time, they weren't sure totally what they were looking for. And now we see Jesus fulfilled in the prophecies, but even further, the resurrection. Now, the Blue Letter Bible says this about the resurrected Jesus, that he appeared to Mary Magdalene. The women that came to Jesus' tomb, Mary the mother of James, Salome, and Joanna. Peter and the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. He appeared to the remainder of the 12 disciples with Thomas absent. Later, he appeared to them with Thomas present. That's what we read. There was also an appearance to seven disciples on the Sea of Galilee. On another occasion, he appeared to over 500 people at the same time. There was also an appearance to James. Finally, Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus, the man who became the Apostle Paul. The thing is, is that the more we try and deny this, the more we look at history and say, gosh, dang it, Jesus was real. The more we want to deny little things, the more we want to pick apart like the little stuff in the Bible that we don't like, there's this overwhelming resurrection that it's hard to look at and say, oh, yeah, I can deny that. At a certain point, I found myself saying, gosh, gosh dang it, this is real. What do I do now? And, and I remember being on the freeway with a friend on the 8th freeway being like, bro, I think I believe. Can I get like a, a business card or something? Do I get an ID card? And he said, no, man, just pray with me. If you truly believe this, then pray with me. And I didn't get all my stuff tied up like I wanted to, but I found that Jesus was compelling. The more I became acquainted with the resurrection of Christ, the less I was interested in talking about evolution. The more I understood the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross on our behalf, the less I was able to question God's love and goodness. It was no longer enough for me not to take Jesus seriously anymore. He was becoming undeniable to me. I don't know if you've ever experienced this where, like, you don't want to like something. That's kind of how I felt. Okay, let me take you back, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago almost, there was this, uh, this band. Um, they're called Coldplay. And I don't know if you ever heard of Coldplay, but apparently, like, at the time, like, 15 or 20 years ago, all my friends had heard about Coldplay, and they were telling me how I really needed to listen to Coldplay, and I was really going to like Coldplay, it was going to be great, you should listen to Coldplay, and I was like, Coldplay, Coldplay, I, like, I don't want to listen to Coldplay, they suck, I hate them? Why do I hate them? because they're English, because they're already popular, because some people said they were stealing style from U2, and I just was, I'm just, I'm not going to listen to Coldplay. I don't like it. And then, of course, you know, I'm listening to 91X, and then I hear the song. I'm like, dang, what is this? This is so good. And they're like, it's Coldplay. And I'm like, no, no, not Coldplay. I hate Coldplay. I've never listened to Coldplay, but I hate Coldplay. And, uh, Like, I'm like into punk, okay? Not this like, uh, the piano, no. And yet, when I heard Coldplay, I was like, dang it, I cannot deny this. I like it. And so I went out and I bought all the albums they had out and I really enjoyed it. But sometimes I I feel like we are that way about Jesus. Like, no, 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 I can't like Jesus. Let me tell you the reasons. Look at this guy over here. Look at this guy on TV with his super nice teeth and his his hair slicked back and all his gold rings, like stealing money from people. That's why I'm not going to listen to Jesus. Or how about that guy who treated me so terribly in high school, that person who treated me so badly that cut me off just yesterday with their little Jesus fish and they gave me the finger. Like, there's lots of good reasons not to like Jesus, but then, then we get to know who Jesus truly is. Then we get to see who he truly is and we see his compassion and his love for us and it's like you start to feel the rhythm and the sound of Jesus' heart and you're like, man, I want to deny this, but it is so good. His heart is so good. His love is so endless, boundless, and His arms are open wide for me. Gosh, I don't want to like that because I like all these things too. I like this. I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. I don't want want anyone telling me what to do with my life, especially not some guy who wore a robe and a beard and had Birkenstocks. I don't want him telling me what to do. And yet when you come to know Him, suddenly you find yourself compelled that's what I did. I'm not telling you everyone's going to feel that way, but that's what I found. And I found when we come to understand the resurrection, it becomes irrefutable that he loves us. Don't let stupid things keep you from embracing the incredible big thing about our God who died and was resurrected for you. Second Timothy, it's a book in the Bible, 2.22-23 um, through 23 says this, Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know they breed quarrels. Here's what I'm going to say. There's always going to be something to question. There's always going to be someone that calls themselves a Christian that makes you go, no, I don't want any of that. There's always going to be some little tweak in the Bible that you don't like. And I would say when you look at who Jesus is, don't look at me, look at who Jesus is, look at what God says in his word and how he cares about you, then the resurrection has immense power in your life. This man died and got back up again. So much so that his brother, James, wrote about him being God. Now, um, have you ever spent, okay, is anyone, uh, okay, do you have siblings? Raise your hand, do you have siblings? Okay, how much would it take for you to call your sibling God? Like, think about that. Like, they're crazy and annoying, right? Like, there is no way, okay, I got my own sibling in the room, <laughs> laughing, <clears throat> except for that one. Um, but the thing is, is like, there, there, there should be nothing that would ever cause you to say, oh, my sibling is God, because you know every single bit of weakness that they have. I mean, gosh, it's hard to sometimes call sibling good or not annoying. I know, sister, I know. And yet, you have his brother James saying, this is God. The resurrection had the power in James' life, brother of Jesus, we call him half-brother because, you know, Jesus had a different father. But in his life, he was compelled to confess Jesus as Lord, the brother. And it wasn't just someone who like had lots of success. It wasn't like Jesus was like, the big CEO of the huge corporation, and if James is just like, hmm, maybe I should call him God, then he'll give me money and stuff. No, no, no. James was invited into suffering. James suffered when he confessed Jesus as Lord. And still his brother said, this is God. So not only did Jesus have the power to save, he also has the power to keep us safe. And that's our second point, that our salvation is unfading. Oh, that's good news, friends, because, you know, like I wake up in the morning and I've already committed like 14 sins, okay? And if, 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 if it were based on my goodness, then, then my salvation would fade really quick. But it's not. It's based on his goodness. It's based on the power of his resurrection. It's based on him being the good sacrifice for us. In verse 4, it says, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So when you are saved and follow Jesus with your whole heart, no one can take that away from you. In Matthew 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Man, if you wake up every morning feeling like man, I am such a screw up, and this is such good news. If you wake up in the morning feeling like man, I'm awesome. Well, I don't I don't know what that's like. (laughs) The thing is, it says it is an inheritance that is imperishable. Now, uh, the word for that is oftartos, and it means something that can never spoil something that is undefiled, something that is unfading. Those are good words to use when describing God's love for us, God's salvation for us, right? Like, we don't want something that's like uh, an inheritance that is like, uh, okay, you know, an inheritance that is made of wood. You know, it's like, no, no, this is unfading. 1 Corinthians uh, 9.25 says, Everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown but we an imperishable crown. The thing is, is that our crown is not based on our merit. It's based on his merit, and that is so good, friends, because we receive an inheritance. And I'm going to read you another verse. This is the book of Romans 8.15. I'm throwing a lot of Bible at you because I don't want you to just hear me. I want you to know that this is God backing up God's word. In Romans 8.15 through 17, it says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Don't be afraid. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children and of children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. So sometimes we try to save up on good works that maybe, maybe if we just have enough good things, we help enough old ladies across the street, whether they want to or not, or we just do enough good things, then maybe, maybe, maybe God will look at us and go, yeah, that guy's not as bad as this murder over here. And that's kind of the way we live life, right? Like, oh man, I'm not as bad as this guy if I just do enough good things. But the thing is, those things are perishable. Those things don't last. You know what? Tomorrow, that old lady will forget. Prob- no, okay, no joke. Not going to make that joke. Um, Working on it. See, filter, right? Right? Okay. But sometimes we save up these perishable good works. Now, um, have you ever had a friend that received an inheritance? Something that had been saved up for by the family, tried to keep strong, and then they receive an inheritance, and what do they go and do? This thing that a family like maybe scraped and put the money together and they go out and they're like, dude, that 4K HDTV 3D thing would be awesome. And you're like, no, 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 that's going to be like one-tenth the price in like two years. Just wait, 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 buy it used on Craigslist. No, and then they spend all their money um, from, from this inheritance and it goes away so fast. Like this family could have saved up for generations to continue to hand down and hand down and hand down, but inevitably in every family there's going to be someone at some point that says, you know what, we really need to invest in this. <laughs> Someone in the family that says, you know what, I think e-toys sounds like a great investment. Someone who says, we really need to invest in Blockbuster Video. And then it's gone. It vanishes, right? Because, by the way, I totally bought eToys and Blockbuster Video, but I did sell Blockbuster Video before they went out of business. Um, not the, I didn't buy the whole corporate, I had to stop, Okay. The inheritance that we have in Christ is imperishable. But here on earth, any inheritance we receive, any inheritance we receive is is, is quickly squandered away. In the same way, um, the inheritance we have from our good works is also squandered away. Now, many of you guys know the story of the prodigal son, right? Um, Prodigal means extravagant, uh, wasteful almost. And that was who this son was, right? Jesus told the story. Um, where this, this man went to his dad and he said, you know what, I would rather you be dead than alive, but since you're alive, give me my inheritance now and I'm gonna jet, okay? And I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go spend it on women, I'm gonna spend it on liquor, I'm gonna spend all kinds of things that you wouldn't approve of, but I want my money now because I wish you were dead. I don't really wanna live with you anymore, I don't wanna work for you, I'm out, okay? And the dad says, okay. The dad gives the money to to his son, and his son takes off to a distant land, and he squanders it. He buys the 4K 3D TV that is for $5,000, and he buys all the things that he doesn't need. And quickly, there's famine. And quickly, the money runs out. And quickly, he starts to think to himself, oh, I've made a huge mistake Maybe I could go back to my dad and he would take me on as like a servant because I pretty much spit in his face, right? So there's no way he would take me back as anything else. But maybe, just maybe, if I go in my tattered rags, this is my New Dale version, if I go in my tattered rags and I like lay down at his feet and I just, I just try so hard to let him know how sorry I am, maybe he'll let me be a worker, maybe the lowest worker, but at least I'll eat, at least I'll survive. And this is what he says to his dad. Now I'm going to quote the Bible for real says to his dad um, first he runs to his dad he goes to his dad his dad runs to him even when he just turns slightly towards the father the father runs out to him now if you're an old jewish man with an awesome robe uh then you're probably not going to run like it's just uncomfortable and it's also below you but his dad runs out to meet him which is so good and he says to his dad hey i'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired workers um so he got up and went to his father, but while his son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran through his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him because he smells nasty. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast, because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. He took an inheritance that was perishable, but his father's inheritance would last. His father's love was unperishable. And that is the love that we receive from our father in heaven. Whether you have experienced a good father or a bad father, none of them compare to what our good father in heaven uh, is for you, is for me. And I know many of us have experienced bad dads here. And so what, what you may want to do now is you may want to like pick little pieces of God because you're like, man, I've not experienced a good dad. Or you may want to project on him your own dad and say, you know what, man, he is always judging me. He's always mad at me. Every time I walk into the room with God, I feel like he's going to beat me. But that is not our God. He is a good father. Friends, you cannot exhaust the inheritance of Christ. How do we know this? Because death itself could not hold him down. And that is the gospel. The gospel is this, that God himself sent his son to leave heaven and come to this earth and live a human life A human life so much so that we can understand what it's like. That He knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to not be liked by people. He knows what it's like to have the flu. He knows what it's like to have the stomach virus. God knows what it's like to have the stomach virus. God knows what it's like to have a splinter in His frail human finger. God knows what it's like to have people talk behind your back. God knows what it's like to be arrested God knows what it's like to be arrested unjustly. God knows what it's like to be spit at. God knows what it's like to, be, to have his beard pulled out. God knows what it's like to be murdered for us. And it's for us. But he did not stay dead. And that is the good news that we profess. The resurrection of Christ said that even death could not hold Jesus down. That is the power of the resurrection and that is our hope, friends. I thank God, friends, that it is not my job to force you to believe in the resurrection. I can only be faithful to what God has called me to do, and that's just to say, this is what's up. And this is why uh, I have continued to live my life to follow him. Um, Not not because, like, uh, ministry pays well. Not because uh, people treat me well when I'm in ministry. Because sometimes uh, saying these things causes me to lose friends. But here's the thing, I believe it. And I believe it for you too. And I hope that you believe it. And I believe that for some of you, he's working in your heart at this very moment. I thank God that it's not my job to force you to believe in Jesus. He offered himself as a gift and he waits for you to follow him. But he won't wait forever. And so I, I say this with a little bit of urgency today, that, that if you think he might be real, if if you feel like he is real, then don't wait. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today is the day. Tomorrow may be an expectation, friends, and it may come, but it's not promised to us. I also thank God that it's not my job to force you to be in the church family. (laughs) But I would encourage you to look at the words of Jesus. Not me, not the weird guy on TV, not the person that you stream on the internet, not the weird neighbor who says all kinds of things, but look at the words of Jesus and what does he say about the church? And why does he say it's good? Because because I know that if you're like me, you look at it you're like, man, it's not worth my time. There's a bunch of weirdos in there. I can't stand it. The coffee's not good. No, the coffee's good in our church, okay? But you, you might just say, there's just so, so many things that make me not, but look at Jesus and what he says. And, and I would say, if you believe in Jesus and, and you're not a part of the church, let me just say this to you. He calls the church his bride. His bride. Um, like, that's kind of like a, a term of endearment, right? And, and so like... Um, don't talk smack about my wife, because if you talk badly about my wife or my kids, then I will tell you, that's like about the only time that I will get kind of aggressive, okay? Don't talk smack about God's imperfect bride either. And, and perhaps consider that um, you make it better, that you make it better. This Friday, we baptized someone as a sign of their never-ending union with Jesus. Those who are in the family are not expected to wait outside until death happens for their full inheritance. Come and grab it now. Grab the inheritance now. Like uh, following Jesus is not all about the end. There's a lot of time in between now and then. And you know what that means is that God can use us for the poor, for the broken, for the hurting. And I and I hope that you see the importance of us doing that now. It's really easy to check out. It's really easy to check into American life. Oh my gosh. Like, we got sports for 24 hours a day, not just for you to watch now, but for your kids to play in. And you could easily check out. But here's the thing. Like, I, I truly believe we need each other because there's gonna come a day when I'm gonna say, man, I just, I don't, I'm, I don't know about this hope, man. It, it, it feels kind of perishable right now. Like, my kids are going through this. My kids are going through this. I'm going through this. I have pain. I lost someone I love. And I'll need you friends to say, this inheritance does not spoil. I will need you. And I think the day will come when you'll need someone else and I really hope that you'll have a church family. It ain't gotta be us. There's a lot of awesome churches around here. But be in the church. If you think that I talk too long, there's probably churches that talk less. Jesus says this in Revelation 3.20. He says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Friends, let us find hope through the resurrection of Jesus. If it really, truly happened, then it should have great significance on our life. And then if you believe, then know this. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, maybe I won't see you for another year, whatever it is, I don't care. Your salvation is unfading. Now, I hope that you receive that, and then it changes you, just as it's changing me, slowly but surely. And if you find yourself never having put your hope in Jesus as Savior and Lord of your whole life, I ask that you pray with me today. So in this moment, we're just going to uh, close our eyes, put our heads down, and we're just going to pray for a moment. If you believe this, pray with me in the silence of your heart. God, I thank you for saving me. I thank you that there's nothing I could do to earn your love and there's nothing I could do to unearn your love. God, I bring to you this morning my confession that I am a sinner, I'm a broken person, and I need a Savior. Lord, would you be the Savior of my life? Would you rescue me? Would you save me? And would you help me to follow you and to understand the depth of my inheritance? Lord, we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Friends, if uh, you have uh, confessed that, then I ask that you would find one of us today and let us know. Let us pray for you. Um, We're going to continue to worship God in the way we sing. So I ask that you would stand with us as we sing.